I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse, and you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. The sale sequence is bum 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 what sells. <laughs> Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 138. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're chatting about how to craft a successful sales email sequence with one of our past guests who has like become a fringe of the show, Sarah Noel Block. She was on episode 115 and episode 128. Uh, so you will want to check those out maybe after you've checked this episode out. But before we go any further, what are you drinking today, Jesse? I'm actually just drinking water today. Super boring, but, um, you know, you gotta hydrate every once in a while, break up all the booze, (laughs) (laughs) break up all the, well, I mean, this is cocktails and content creation. So I guess, yes, the Mm -hmm. break up all the booze. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm actually enjoying a chai latte with, um, coconut milk. Mm, That's so nice. I do love a good chai latte. And, you know, surprisingly, I mean, we, we record this from our homes in Massachusetts. And let's face it, Massachusetts runs on Duncan. But surprisingly, Duncan actually has a pretty good chai latte. It's not the best, but it's mm. pretty good, mm. especially iced. I don't know Sometimes if I've ever had their chai latte. I just, I've definitely been a, you know, a Starbucks. A Starbucks. Yeah. Star As like the Gen, what is it, Gen Z? Starbies or Gen Alpha. Is that, is that a they thing? Call it, they call it Starbies. Like it says Starbucks. Okay. Starbies. I'm so glad I'm not part of, I'm for the first time. I'm kind of glad I'm old. That's <laughs> <laughs> just ridiculous. Mm. Oh, well. All right. Well, it, it's this one's not from Starbies. It's from Dunkies. Mm. Put it that way. Um, all right. Well, so, so now that we know we're both sober, mm-hmm. let's get into um, I actually was not able to attend this uh, interview recording. Um, but I'm excited to hear uh, all about uh, the next discussion that we have with Sarah Noel Block of Tiny Marketing. So, Jesse, you uh, you got to talk to her. So, take it away, Jesse. Sarah Noel Block is an inbound marketing expert who focuses on an education-based approach to marketing for small to mid-sized businesses and solopreneurs. Her approach to marketing systems makes it easy for tiny teams to have a big impact. We have had Sarah on the show a few months ago to talk about her three-step welcome sequence. That was episode 115, and we had her back on episode 127 to talk about the nurture email sequence. And today we're having her back on the show with the last step, and that's how to create a successful sales email sequence. Sarah, welcome back again to the show. Boom. So yes. much email. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know if I ever thought as an entrepreneur that I would talk so much about email. I mean, we love our email. That's where the sales happen. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Um, well, since you are now like a veteran of the show, we must <laughs> start off the show with what are you drinking today? What am I drinking? I am drinking a big fat cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry don't worry that's all good it's all good we must start 
the day with the coffee before we dive into all the emails where all the action happens. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll toss want, some Baileys in there for the point of this. <laughs> Ooh, oh my gosh. That sounds so good. I should do that. I don't have any ba- Baileys <laughs> in the house though. So I don't know. Can you put vodka in coffee? Probably uh, not. Let's try it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay. So it hasn't been that long, but uh, would you mind giving us, our audience, a recap of, like, you, your business, and anything exciting that has happened in the last few months since we've talked to you last? Let's see. Okay. So my business is Tiny Marketing, and I work with entrepreneurs with small teams to help them build marketing strategies that work with the team and the budget that you have. So I'm not going to come in and create this strategy that's in your drive and has you thinking, well, how am I supposed to pull this off? I don't have the people for this. We take the resources you have and make it work. I love it. I love it. And let's see, exciting things I've been doing. I've been running these marketing Mad Lib workshops with entrepreneurs, bringing their stakeholders in. And the insights we're getting are insane because you just don't realize the differing perspectives you get from customer success versus sales and marketing and the owner and when you pull that all together you get a really good perspective on the entire journey the entire customer journey and how to make it better so that's really interesting i know we have a lot to talk about today but so these are workshops where you pull in their stakeholders like actual Mm -hmm. Uh, customers or leads? So here is how it's done. So the Marketing Mad Libs workshop, we bring in your internal stakeholders. So we're bringing in the head of your customer service department, your sales department, um, whoever. I And the owner is always involved. And then I interview them. We do a workshop. And at the end of it, we have a plan on a page. And we have a good idea of the direction that we should go with the messaging and marketing strategy. And once we do that, then they move on to another part of the process that's called strategic story. And that's when I interview their customers. Oh, wow. I had no idea that marketing companies like, I mean, like yourself or any others that would actually get sort of that on the ground. That seems very like grassroots to me for some reason. It. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It doesn't, not a lot of companies do do that, but I have found that I get the best results when I bring everybody in at the very beginning and get everybody's insights because then I can get this like bird's eye perspective of what you should really be doing. And you can get a really streamlined plan when you do it that way. It's like you don't have to do everything, (laughs) just do the things that matter. Well, it sounds like that really just gets everybody on board and on the same, like you said, there was like a plan on the page, like everybody's on the same page at that point. So there's no like confusion on what the left hand is doing versus the right. Yes. That's a huge thing because so often all the, like the employees within the company are like, I don't get this. I don't get why we chose this messaging, why we're doing this marketing. They're not on board with it. But when you are involved and you're part of the process, then change management happens in the same process that you're getting your strategy. Everybody's on board. I feel like going full circle like that so that people understand the like reasoning behind everything. I, I had a few jobs out of college where I would be like, why? 
like, why am I doing like, what's the end result? Why am I doing this? How is this connected? So I feel like a lot of people can relate to like having that full circle sort of um, (laughs) process established and understanding. Yeah. I mean, I have made mistakes a million times as like the head of marketing for companies, not getting people involved and everybody thinking, "Mm, you should be doing it this way. (laughs) But the reason that they're doing that is because I didn't get them involved in that strategy and having them like understand why I was deciding what I was deciding and having them help make decisions. Uh, Yeah, of course, they were questioning me. They had every right to question me. Exactly. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Okay. So that um, if anybody, you know, we're going to, you know, have all of this in the show notes, but um, if anybody's interested in, in you said it's your marketing ad lib workshop. Marketing mad libs. Mad libs, not ad libs. Okay. Mad libs. Um, yeah, you can definitely <laughs> check that out. But uh, we're going to jump right into the day's discussion, which is all about the sales email sequence. And how it really fits within, you know, the broader scope of email marketing, uh, starting with the welcome sequence that you talked to us about, and then the nurture mm-hmm. sequence. So, and now it's like, like the big, what do they call it? The big ending, you know, the 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 big surprise fireworks. And, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, why, you know, I guess, can you tell us in your own words what an email, what the sales sequence is, and you know. It sounds obvious, but why it's so important for a business to have. Yeah. So the sales sequence is bum, 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 what sells. (laughs) And spoiler alert, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have two different ways that I really suggest that people do it. And that would be one in like a tight sequence. And that would come right after a lead magnet or um, maybe a fit call. And then another one would be an evergreen, which would be more spread out and it's over like the entire year. And that is so people don't forget that, you know, you do a thing that you get paid for because oftentimes people go on an email list and they're learning from you and it's great. But in the end, they kind of forget that you also have like a thing that you do (laughs) to get paid for. So it reminds them of that. And the goal of your sales sequence is to overcome any objections that they might have. So maybe, I mean, let's be realistic. If people sign up for your lead magnet, it does not mean that they are ready to buy. But it does mean that they have recognized that they have a problem that they need a solution for, and that's the reason they chose to download your lead magnet. And your job is to overcome any objections that they might have in working with you and shortlisting you. So when it is time for them to buy and make that move, they think about you and you've already said, oh, well, that problem that you thought you were having, that's not happening. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, you know, I like that you kind of broke it down to starting with that lead magnet because we, we, you know, we've talked about the welcome sequence and then the nurturing and that nurturing sort of gets them to that point where you said when they are ready to buy and then that like sort of, then like pushes them now to read those emails, right? Read those sales emails and hopefully yeah. they, they they click that button to, to buy your offer product. So this is the order I would put it in. I would say welcome sequence. And then your nurture sequence is happening always in the background, whether it's once a week or once a month, it's always happening in the background. But if you're building out workflows, it should be welcome. And then your last welcome sequence, 
or email moves them into the sales sequence. So then they're getting to that. And that's when you're talking about objections. And it's not going to feel super salesy. It's going to feel like you understand them. Okay. So I think that answered our question is like, how do we get them into the sales sequence? And which makes a lot of sense. Um, so, and remind us about like how many um, emails is this? I know it can probably depend on like the company you're working with, but if you had to give us like an average, what would that look like? Yeah, I usually do a seven, a seven part sales sequence. And it's usually a couple of days apart that I'll send it. And you can even repurpose that initial seven-part sequence into your evergreen one that's going out once a month. Just make sure it's not on the same day as your nurture. That's true. Yeah. And so you're using some, you know, we I think we talked about the tech before, but, you know, your tech would be able to tell you to like either pause or send on a different day, right? When you're having these like concurrent Yeah. Sequences. I use Flowdesk for it. And so my nurture emails, they go out every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And my evergreen sales emails would go out on a Thursday. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. All right. So when people think of sales, right, we automatically, some of us (laughs) us might think like, remember that time I went to buy a car and then they have the story about the sales, you know, sleazy salesman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, icky. So like, you know, how do we make the sales sequence not feel that way? And then what type of content makes for a, somebody to feel good about? What makes it successful? Yeah. So I actually, I was telling you about my strategic story. So there's like an upgrade to it where I create all of your sales collateral. And I pulled up the most recent sales series that I wrote, which was just last week. So I'll walk you through the sequence that I created for them. Perfect. So you can understand how it's not icky. (laughs) So the first email that goes out is the delivery of the thing. They got, they subscribed for a lead magnet. You deliver it in there. And that's the best way to go is delivering it through email because people put out their fake emails or their, this is for spam only emails. We all have delivering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Delivering via email is the best way because you're actually going to be like, they need to give you the real email. (laughs) So that's number one delivery. And then number two is problem and solution. So in this email, you're going to talk about the problem that they are currently having, and you know what it is because of the lead magnet that they downloaded. That's going to give you your little signal, like this is the problem they're experiencing. And then you talk about a solution, and you do not necessarily have to talk about your own solution in there. You talk about the general solution and... Yeah, of course, it leads back to your own service or product, but you're just informing at this point. So, okay. So that was first email and then the second email. So the second email talks both about the problem and the solution. And then you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of keeping in mind, you know, and wording it in a way that's teasing that you have a service or an offer that will help with that. Yeah, I would still keep that call to action like in a PS. People love a PS. They were scanners and we scanned down to that PS. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So put a call to action in the PS and say, 
by the way, this is my solution. You can schedule a fit call here to just see if it's a good fit. There's no pressure. Perfect. Um, or however, you know, what, however you want to do it. Email number three is a customer success story, a customer testimonial to show people that the solution that you're providing actually works. So I love giving a customer success story. It's super easy to do too if you're in marketing or content creation because you probably already have access to their analytics. And you can pull that information to be able to show, hey, I got them this month, this percentage of growth within XX days by doing XYZ. Just doing something simple like that in that third email. Or if you don't have access to their data, a testimonial would work there too. And this is how we build trust, authority with them. So they're not like, okay, you can say that this is the solution and this is how you do it. But why should I believe you? Well, you should believe me because this person said that you should. Yeah. No, I love that. And then again with this one. Okay. So like, let's say you go through, you go through the success story. Do you, do you put a CTA again? Do you put it in a PS or like, Hey, like if this, like, I don't know, however you want to word it, what the copy would be. But, and if you feel like you want to be like, you know, Susie who had a great time with us or great results with us, book a call here. How would you do your CTA for this email? Yeah, I always add a call to action just in case because they might not, like if you're not being told what to do as a reader, you don't take any action at all. So they might be thinking, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for to work with you. But if you're not telling them what they should do next, then they're not going to. So there's a couple ways you could do it. You could do it exactly the way you did it. I would respond to that. Um, you can ask them to reply to the email. If it goes straight to your inbox, it's an intimate way of doing it. And you can start having that conversation that way. I like to do that. Reply to this email and you're going to get me. You can ask me any questions that you have about this. Um, and then you can also just add your discovery call or your fit call link in there. That's Okay. That sounds awesome. I wanted to ask, actually, I had a question that popped into my head about this email as well. You know, in some situations, um, would you recommend, because I could see someone wanting to tell like a customer success story, but maybe um, maybe they also have like a case study on their website also that maybe goes into further depth. Maybe like they just feel like the email is going to get too long. Would you recommend Mm -hmm. them like also like read more about the story here and getting them to your website or is that or is it smart just to keep them in the email and then have a a very clear call to action in the email? No, I think if it's a pretty good success story, sending them over to the full case study makes sense. Okay. I have found that direct links rather than buttons work well for this. So you can give them a little teaser of what to expect in that case study and then um, continue reading it here and just link to it within that paragraph. Um, Yeah, I have, I like to test different formats for emails and teasing emails work really well for click-through rates. Just like not giving an answer, (laughs) but teasing it out throughout, giving them the hook and then the tease, and then this is how, where you find the solution. You get a way higher click through. 
And actually thinking about teasing, um, I've done this in the past and tell me if you know if if it works or not, because you said you do test things. Like sometimes if I am like having a very strategic like say sequence of emails, sometimes I'll say and stay tuned for my next email where I share X, Y, and Z. Do you leverage any of that language in um in the sales sequence at all? I haven't, but I'm not mad at that. Huh, okay. Um, cool. Yeah. I have read through other templates that had similar similar things where you're teasing out what's next. Yeah. I haven't done that in a sales sequence, but I like it. Okay. I have used it in um, like webinar sequences where I'm telling them what to expect from the next email if I'm oh. teasing out what I'll be sharing, or if there's going to be a bonus that I give away if you come live, things like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so that was email three, right? So yes. What comes after that? Overcoming objections. So that is email four. And this is where you want to start brainstorming. And this is the same kind of thing that you want to do when you're writing a sales page too. brainstorm everything that your potential customer might say no to like when it comes to your offer. So what are some things that they're going to push back from and say, like in their mind, they might be thinking, well, this doesn't solve this problem. I'm just going to move on to the next one. Anything like that, any objections that they might have, write them all down and overcome them in this email. So for this particular one, I was writing a sales sequence for, it's for a fiber internet company, actually. So (laughs) sexy, um, right? (laughs) Yes, it's so sexy. (laughs) Um, And they are trying to connect with property management companies. But they have very specific objections, like is this installation of fiber instead of using cable, is it going to be really intrusive to our customers or like our community? Are they going to be pissed off that there's going to be construction going on? Um, Will it ruin the aesthetics of the building? Things like that. So when you're writing this email, write down all of the things that people are going to be like, no, I don't want to deal with this. So Mm. you can say, well, actually, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) These are, these are the, the, the ways that you can overcome it. These are the reasons that this shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Okay. What if, so I'm just thinking in some industries, I could imagine the list could be quite long, right? Like you might, oh, be, yeah. you might have like, you know, you, you might have been in business for, you know, a decade or more. And over time, you've really gained insights from your customers and what the those objections are. So do you, I, I imagine you don't want to list all of them if there's like a bazillion. Um, do you have like a, a set number of objections you would recommend sticking to? Do you just pick a couple of like the really common ones to sort of appeal to yeah. the masses? So here's what I do. And this isn't in, in the email. I usually just do high level, most common, like three to four. Now on my sales page, I still like... In that section, I do three to four, and um, but any that are extra that I do see, I put in a frequently asked questions section at the bottom of the sales page so I can address everything. 
that's that's where my mind was going. That's really great. I like that you you mentioned that. I wasn't thinking that you could add more, but I was like, as you were talking, I was like, oh, you could probably just put all of them in like an FAQ. Yeah, you can definitely do that. It's an accordion. It's not obtrusive. <laughs> it's fine. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> and then I had another question um, about, oh, um, how do you actually write these? Like are, you know, because yeah, like an FAQ is very like, here's the question, the accordion, here's the answer. Like, do you write it like that in the email or are you actually finessing it into some great storytelling copy? Yeah, I'm finessing it. Um, So if it's only a few and I can do it in more of a narrative, a story, I like that. But I also like emails, usually there's a lot of them. And I'm trying to get three to four and there's not an easy story to tell. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell a little story and then I'll bullet all of the objections that they might have and only the top ones, like three or four. And then I'll give a statement of why this is wrong, the wrong way to think. And then I will have the three to four bullets overcoming those objections underneath that. And that's the format I'll use for an email. Okay. I like that. I feel like that kind of breaks it up visually too, to make it easier for people to kind of like find the point. Yeah. Scannable. Yeah. Easy. Cool. Um, And then again, a CTA in here. Is it a PS or I mean a mix of both? In this particular one, I did a PS CTA. Like if you're ready to get started, click here and then the link to schedule the fit call. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So we've got email one, which is the delivery, email to the problem and solution. We've got the email three, which is a customer success story or testimonial email for mm-hmm. overcoming objections. What is next? Yes, let's scan here. Five is a paradigm shift. What they thought before to be the truth is wrong. And this is what the actual truth is. So this is a lot having to do too with, with overcoming objections. Like this, they didn't think that this was possible as a solution. And here's the reason that you're wrong on that and how your life could actually be. Include your transformative statement in there. This is what life can look like with this solution. Okay, so I know you're actually pulling a real life example. So with this particular client, I'm curious because it's like, you don't think that like fiber optic is like life changing. (laughs) So I'm curious, like what if you're if you're willing to share from this specific example, what that paradigm shift was? Yeah. So the paradigm shift is that like cable internet is good enough. And I have contracts with AT&T Spectrum or Cox. I have a contract with them and I can't have a contract with anyone else. The truth is because those are cable, their exclusive contracts do not apply to fiber internet. So you can have a contract with fiber internet and it is not the same because you can increase your rental values by 8% every month. You can increase your retention by 4%. And we made it really monetary. Like these are the ways that you can increase your actual profit margins by adding fiber to your building. That is so good. I'm like, 
<laughs> I had no idea. That's really It's a paradigm shift now, no, isn't so, it? <laughs> okay, yeah, I love that. And I love that it's like such an unsexy business and that you've come up with this great way to say, yes, you really do want it. You do. And this is why. I yeah. thought you didn't need it, but in fact, it actually is really beneficial for you to have it. Yeah. Along with this, we created a calculator so they could see exactly how much money they can make every year from having fiber and versus you guys, cable. You guys created that? Yeah. Wow. That's that's going above and beyond. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, okay. And so, so you're sharing this information with them. And then again, I'm assuming some form of a CTA still. Yes. On this one, we did a button to schedule a call because why wouldn't you after seeing all that money you're going to (laughs) make? I know, right? Seriously, like, oh, all right. Now I'm interested. Let's talk money, right? Um, And then, so, and again, these are, these emails are a couple days apart happening, right? Yeah. I usually do them about two days apart. Okay, cool. Um, All right. So email five. So we're on to email six. Yes. Email six is the actual sales email. So anytime that you can add actual fear of missing out, actual FOMO is good. So I like to add a countdown timer to these and giving some sort of finite offer. Like if you schedule your call and get your personalized report, as an example, within the next five days, then you get this discount. So you can use something like Countdown Hero, which creates a countdown timer based off of when they entered your sequence. And that that obviously works in Flowdesk. I haven't actually particularly heard of this. Um, it's just something that like a plugin type of thing. Um, you just copy and paste the code into a text box in, in your email. Hmm. And yeah, okay. it works. That's amazing. Okay. So, so what I do in this in this number six sales email is I have that countdown timer. And then I talk about some competitors of theirs that are already using our solution. So I want to really itch that fear of missing out. Like my competitors are using tiny marketing. <laughs> These are the direct people I can talk to. And um, then it gets them a little fearful that they're missing out on something. And then I move into the ask, like, there's no pressure. We can schedule a fit call, see if we're a good match. And um, then we'll move on to the first project. And that's all in email six. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I don't know if I personally have ever used the competitor lens in an email before. Um, do you specifically list the names of the the companies, the competitors? I do if they are actual clients of mine. Okay, interesting. So in this fiber email that I was talking that I was referring to, I use buildings that are competitors of theirs. They're in the same region, and their tenants would be attracted to them. So I named buildings that were already in. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Okay. I'm just, I, my mind is like, huh, how would I translate this to, but anyways, yes, I think that's fantastic and really um, adds to that FOMO because we all get FOMO. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And having that finite 
time-sensitive offer available. And I mean, you should, if you need to actually sell within a, within a certain time, have an actual limited offer that you can give them. I do agree with that as well. I think people naturally... I mean, and here in, you know, Massachusetts, we had tax-free weekend this last weekend. Like how many people look forward to just tax-free weekend? And it's like, I would wish I was in Boston. But what's hilarious (laughs) is that if you just drive, I mean, it's not far for me, but drive into New Hampshire, they don't have sales tax all year long. So it's like, (laughs) but because it's like, it's a, it's, yeah, there's not as much FOMO. Like you got to do it now in Massachusetts (laughs) to get tax free. Um, So I think adding that timeframe, but at the same time, and this may, um, you know, jump into the whole salesy. How do you do it without feeling like, you know, the whole like sales pressure tactic thing? And is it just that you have the countdown timer and that's like enough? You don't have to be like overly pushy about it. But how do you, because um, you haven't, have you had the countdown timer in any of the other emails? No, this is the first one okay. because this is the only one we're giving them an offer in. Okay. And then we'll do one more after that. We'll, that will just be a continuation of that other timer when there's like 24 hours left. Okay. All right. So that's not too bad. It's not like it's like in your face, all these seven emails. It's just, we've already Yeah, we're not even it. selling. Hopefully we've already convinced you that like you need us anyways. And oh, by the way, if you do it by the next five days, then it's just a bonus for you. Yeah, you get a... Yeah, it could be something like that. Like you get a special bonus if you schedule your fit call in the next five days, or it could be that you're doing a VIP day when you don't normally do VIP days and they can take that offer. Something like that. Awesome. For this one, it was, we'll give you a personalized report with the exact amount of profit that you can make for your building. I love that. That's That sounds like a pretty enticing offer because... Everybody likes things that are actually personalized these days. <laughs> yeah. Custom um, okay. is great. <laughs> um, so you quickly mentioned in like the next email, you will have the countdown. So I'm assuming this is the the seventh and final email in the email sequence? Yes. All right. This one I named the last chance email. And it's done 24 hours before the time, before the countdown timer ends. And it's just letting them, it's reiterating basically everything that you've talked about in those previous emails and letting them know that hey, there's 24 hours to get this, to grab this bonus. But it's the last one in your tight email se- or your tight sales sequence. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can move into like a once a month evergreen sales cycle, just reminding them these are the offers that I have and this is how you can work with me. Right. And then there's just, they don't get the personalized or whatever the, the, the special bonus. Yeah. They don't get whatever the extra bonus is. They can still buy from you, but that is like a limited offer. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So, I mean, that was a ton of information, but very, very succinct. And I like the fact that you actually were giving us like one of your, um, examples throughout. My question is, um, I don't know if you have data on this, but like, I'm assuming that people generally wait until email six to do anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, is e- and then, and then, like, does email six actually get more like results, or does the email seven usually do it? 
Because it's like literally the last chance. Yeah. Um, in my own experience, email six gets a lot of traction. And then email seven is all the procrastinators yeah. <laughs> that are like, oh, okay. All right. I, I don't want to I feel like it's out. always the last email whenever I do any sort of like special or anything like that, which is, you know, I, I only like many sessions are usually like a big hit for photographers, right? So, you know, it's always like, the last chance like email that always gets them because your point, yeah. people, people are procrastinators at times. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to spending money. Cause they're like, if I don't think about it again, then it's not worth spending the money on. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. And then after they go through this email, the, the sales sequence are going to be dumped into your evergreen, continue to get your emails and reminded of the offers. Um, so one of the questions that we did have is, you know, how do you how do you sort of plan um, sales sequences out? Are the, is there like a specific cadence that you follow? Do I mean it probably depends on the client, but if you can, you know, talk to us a little bit about that and whether like certain holidays or seasonality comes into play with your sales sequences. Yeah, usually I'm doing them around some lead magnet. So we determine what that lead magnet is based off of the offer. What will, what would be a good sales signal that they need the solution that we're offering? And then we create a lead magnet around that. So, so it's kind of like this all one, year. It, it would happen all year. Yeah, we do it all year. Yeah. Because I'm not typically working with seasonal companies. And um, if I am, then we're creating a new lead magnet each quarter. And we're creating a new sales campaign around that, around that particular offer. Like I work with some HVAC companies and that's certainly a seasonal in which like offer makes sense to promote, but it's always around a lead magnet. Okay. Awesome. And when, if a business were to think about, you know, setting, setting this up, what sort of. I guess what's like, how long does it take you to like get something like this up and running? I guess you could say when you're in your, like, if you were working with a client and like, I mean, it could probably take a little while if they're starting from ground zero and literally have no idea who their audience is and going from the basics of messaging, right? Well, okay. So it takes two weeks um, because when I'm working with a client, I do them in intensives. So I take a seven-week intensive and I create their strategic story. And that's when we're identifying their, their ideal customer avatar. We're interviewing them. We do the messaging, marketing, and content workflows. So all of that happens in one week. And then the next week, we do an execution intensive. And that's where I'm creating all of their sales stuff. So their sales page, their lead magnet, their emails, their sales, email sequence, all of that happens the next week. So it takes about two weeks. Wow. That's awesome. I love, I love that it's done so quick. I like efficiency and fast things. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, easier for me too, because I'm in their head and I'm only working with that client <laughs> at that time. So right, right. No, that makes like, sense. I love that. <laughs> um, is there, and I know, I don't think we have this specifically, um, as a question, but is is there anything that anyone should be aware of 
to not do in the email or in the sales sequence or something to avoid at all. I don't know if there's anything that jumps out that is like a definite no or like. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like pushy sales at all. So if in every email you're pushing a sale, icky. (laughs) I'm going to go with a hard icky. Or creating like false urgency that doesn't actually exist. You don't really have a limited time offer that can come across as icky. So like for this, even though we're using a countdown timer that's triggered by their action, it is a first time customer limited time offer that we would be providing. And it's not false where it comes across as really fake. Yeah. When you're just like making something up and it's not really any urgency to it. Right. Right. Okay. No, I like that. Is there anything else that um, folks can do that would help them not sound salesy, I guess? Um, You know, because I feel like, I feel like a lot of that answer might be within the copy itself, but if there's anything else that sticks out besides the false urgency or, um, you know, pushing, like literally saying like book now, book now, book now. Yeah. Um, I would say to make sure that you're, you're sticking with the actual sequence that I outlined here, where you're focusing on the customer, their problems, their objections, what solutions might make sense for them and keeping it really customer focused then you can steer clear of sounding too salesy because you're keeping them at the the center, the heart of the messaging. I agree. I think you've really laid it out with that first email where they're just delivering, you know, you're delivering the thing, you're acknowledging the problem. Um, you know, then the second one is, is, you know, teasing the solution or sharing the solution, the customer success story. Again, like if you actually like follow that, then you're not going to be like, Oh, and buy this thing. Oh, and buy this thing. And I'll buy this thing. You're actually yeah. like really being strategic with it and then priming them to then in that sixth and seventh email to actually get there and get there in a way that they're psychologically ready to to buy. They're prepared to make that next step. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. They After this sequence is done, you've already helped them overcome any objections that were holding them back in the first place. And if they are in a place to buy and they're ready to move forward with a solution, then they will want to buy from you. And if they are still in that phase where I'm still toying and figuring out what solution is really right for me, then you're still going to be top of mind for them. And you've already helped them get further through that sales cycle. Right. And even if they're not ready to buy, it may actually be beneficial for them to continue to learn from you because I feel like sometimes, you know, we all have our client avatar and it may not be best to actually have clients invest at a certain time when they're not really not ready either. Yeah. Yeah. Then the relationship ends up really disjointed because they feel maybe a little duped and the relationship isn't easy, you know, when things are just right, it flows. Right. And it doesn't feel that way when people feel like they're forced to buy. <laughs> well, this has been uh, a great conversation and I 
I love your, I'm just obsessed with your example of this fiber optic because it's like so not sexy, but <laughs> you made it sound amazing. <laughs> um, so where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and what your offers are and how they can um, maybe be helped by what you, by all your amazing wordsmithing with unsexy businesses and amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm so good with unsexy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You can find me at sarahnoelblock.com. And I think, don't I have a special URL for you? I believe you do. We can link that up in the show notes for sure. Yeah, I can't remember the, what the exact URL is, but we'll have it in the show notes. I'll send yes. it to you after if we can't find it. Yes. But yeah, that gives you a 100% off coupon for a customer avatar to create your own customer avatar. Amazing. Um, this has been fantastic. I am so glad. I'm sure we will have you back at some point. Um, because I just I think you're just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to email marketing and just really digging into some of these nuances that people get so hung up on, but it really doesn't have to be so difficult. So thank you so much for breaking it down so succinctly. Um and Again, we'll link up everything in the show notes for our audience, and we hope to have you back on the show sometime. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So as I said, I didn't get to attend this recording, and I absolutely love it when we get to talk to Sarah Noel, so I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to do this, but what are your takeaways, Jesse, from, you know, when you talked with her about the sales email sequence? Um, so the discussion was fantastic as always with Sarah. And I loved that she actually shared, um, her, one of her latest sales sequences for one of her clients. She used a lot of the examples from that, but one of the things that I thought was really great is she broke down the seven emails. So she uses seven emails in her sales sequence into exactly like what they cover And one of those emails was the paradigm shift, which, you Mm. know, I've heard of before, but I really like the way she actually gave us an example from her particular client, which was a fiber optic company where they install fiber optic cable and to, you know, replace cable lines. And so, for example, one of the like to describe what a paradigm shift is overcoming you know, this, this truth that you believe to be true, but it's not actually true. And in fact, this is the truth and help you get through like an overcoming and overcoming an objection. So for example, you know, you may believe that cable internet is fine and it's, and it's great. And a lot of her clients, mm-hmm. let me preface this, are, are like, you know, the properties, maybe like a, uh, uh, development of some sort. So she's speaking to like this property company that might say, well, cable is fine for our our users. Um, it's good enough. And plus we have a contract yeah. with cable. We can't do an agreement with fiber optic. And in fact, she said, you actually can have both. And in fact, if you brought in fiber optic, you can actually increase your rents by a certain percentage and there's like a financial benefit for it. So it's having that like busting those myths and clarifying it in a way that's, you know, shows a benefit to them. And if you can show a financial benefit. So 
that was just one of the examples she gave. She gave so many good examples and she gave some really great tips on how to avoid sounding salesy because I know that that's like a big thing that we talk about on this show. And one of the things that she did say is like, you know, to avoid, I guess, sounding too salesy. And one of the things she does is has like a countdown timer on her final like pitch emails, the six, email six and seven. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't want to create a false urgency. That sounds super, super salesy. Mm-hmm. You want it to actually be a real urgency, whether it is a true limited time offer, you know, but if it's one of those things where it's like, oh, they could really get this offer all year round and you're just making it sound like it's a one-time thing oh. that can people can usually see through that. So that was one of the other big things that I took away um, is leveraging urgency, but not having it be fake. And that's going to really show some authenticity with your offer. Okay. I You'll have to listen again, in. I, I, I know this no, is I'm like the recap, to. but you will listen in and the you're, you're going to enjoy it. Well, the paradigm shift, it kind of sounded like it was out of the twilight zone. And, I know, right? And the thing is, but as you're going through things, I'm thinking of you know, um, examples of that, that, you know, I know she gave examples from some of her clients, but I'm thinking of just some people that I get their emails that they kind of drop those, those kinds of emails, like Jenna Kutcher does things like that. And, um, Gwen Lane and there's somebody else I can't think of right now, but the, um, oh my goodness, she, she wrote a book and I can't remember what it is. Uh, anyways, but like I get their emails and, and after you talking about it, I'm like, oh, I totally know what you're talking about because I've seen it in action and it is totally useful. So right. um, I will have to listen in. And again, I'm really bummed that I had to miss out on that because I absolutely love Sarah. But I understand that you guys already talked about um, another show for her to come on. So. Thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community, and leave us a comment about what you want us to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. For now, I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at Fashionly Kate and Co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. And until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating. Thank mm-hmm. you.